and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And my good friend Jace Hunt is looking a little bit... I don't know if you're looking subdued or if it's the light, Jace. You like, you've, look like you've got an Instagram filter on tonight. What's going on? <laughs> um, it's because I've just walked into the room and turned because they're the energy saving bulbs. Give it Are half they? an hour and it'll be bright light. All right, right okay. Now. It's not. This is not because of your bills, is it? It's not no, to keep you. No. no. All right. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> you keep it well in yourself. Yeah, yes. Yes. I had a good day. Um, I announced that uh, Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners will be playing at the guitar show today. That seems Good to news. have gone down quite well. Good news. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, look look forward to hooking up with Ginger. That'd be good. Um, and we have with us tonight um, a session guitarist, uh, solo artist, all-round top bloke, and currently in Paris, uh, Rufus Miller. How are you, Rufus? Very well, thanks. Yeah, pleasure to, to be on the show with you guys. Thank you for having me. Well, to be fair, it's a minor miracle for us to organise this in two hotel rooms and, and what have you. It's, it's beyond the pleasure. It's actually quite a, quite a miracle, if, if, we, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. Just as a quick start-up, um, the, the, obviously we've had lockdown for the last sort of couple of years. In fact, I think it's Day of Remembrance. Is it today for the, for the second anniversary of lockdown? How have you been keeping yourself busy? I've been well, yeah. I um, ended up in London for lockdown because before that I was living in Copenhagen. It just worked out that I got stuck in London. And I was with my sister, Misty Miller, who's a very talented singer-songwriter. And um, we just made loads of music together. So it worked out quite well. And then I reconnected with all my buddies in London because I'm from London. So um, just got busy with writing, recording, and uh, sitting in the park playing guitar. (laughs) So making making music with your sibling, have yeah. you thought about reaching out to the Gallaghers and just giving them a bit of a course <laughs> in how you do it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's, well, she's nine years younger than me, so there's a, a, a bit of a gap, but we, uh, it, it's, it's, ever since she was little, I recognised that she was a better singer than me and potentially better songwriter, so I've just been very honoured to grow up you know, with her and watch her shine and... Um, and uh, yeah, it's nice to reconnect, you know, because we hadn't played together in a while. Mm. Did you do some live streamed gigs and stuff like that? Yeah, we did loads actually. Yeah, we we did one every week. There's a there's a night called Easy Come Acoustic Club in South London, which is a bit of an institution for all the local songwriters. And so we kept that going through um, yeah live streams. So that was that was awesome to be able to do that. And now that night's actually doing better than ever. So it's I'm happy to hit, see that it's uh, you know. The, the torch is still shining bright, you know, for that scene. Excellent. So what were you doing in, you, you live in Copenhagen? I was living there. And after, during the whole lockdown, I realised it was time to come back. I just, um, I just had four years away. Just, I'd always lived in London. Mm. Turned 30, got a one-way ticket to India just to do something different. And then followed all these hippies and ended up in uh, Copenhagen and loved it. And, and Christ- had, What's it, Christiana? Yeah, hangout, yeah, yeah. It? Yeah, I loved it. Just it's totally different scene, completely different to to London. So I, it it was fun, and 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 just as I arrived, um, Sting happened to to be there, and that's when I ended up getting my job back with him. So I I I split my time between touring with him 
and uh, being in Copenhagen. So it was a pretty good life for four years. I, I loved it, to be honest. Oh, I love Copenhagen. I think it's yeah. a fabulous city. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. Ah, oh, mate, you should go. We went as a family of four. So this was a couple of, obviously, everything was a couple of years ago now because no one's done anything for a couple of years. But mm. um, I don't know, four years ago, family of four, it cost us more to park the car at Luton Airport than it did to buy four return flights to Copenhagen. Wow. <laughs> we, I think we went for something like £28.60 for all wow, four of us. that's amazing. It's always worth paying the extra to leave your car securely in Luton, though, Jace, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, it was fine. It was fine, but it cost about 60 quid to park the car. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but we had an amazing time. Absolutely amazing. And it was a... It was my first experience of going to a Scandi country and just kind of fell mm. in love with it, really. Mm. And they, they they all speak English. It's yeah. very laid back, gentle people. It's not too big. Mm. It's good. Uh, at the time, I think they were the happiest country on earth. <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. And great jazz musicians there as well. I really found, like, God, for how few people there are in this country, there's a lot of good musicians. Yeah, I got small children. I wasn't going anywhere near any clubs with live music. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that you're in. You've just coming off rehearsals. Yeah. Well, you're in the right. middle of rehearsals. We just finished. We did two days rehearsal. Uh, we've got a six-month tour. Well, it's wrapping up in November, but I think it will work out about six months. Um, and yeah, I, I play guitar with Sting um, and and my dad, who's also in the band. I, I don't, um, it's like a family business, isn't it? It really it, is, yeah, it is. It, is your dad sort of like, <laughs> is it Miller and Sons? So like, there's, a, <laughs> there's a succession plan in place. When I don't fancy touring anymore, my son will become guitarist number one, and then we'll bring in my daughter who will become guitarist number two. <laughs> Sting's like, I haven't got to worry about anything here at oh, all. totally, yeah. And he's got another son who's studying in Manchester. He's only 19, uh, Pablo, and he's he's a killer guitar player too, so we're all set. Ah, Sting need never worry for several generations here. Yeah, right. And he only looks about 40 still. I know, I know, I know, it's amazing. He, he really looks after himself, that's for sure. Does, does he make the rest of you feel bad backstage? Uh, yeah, well, a bit. When we see him exercising and doing the plank, we're like, we better be doing that too, you know. <laughs> that's not normal for backstage at a rock gig, let's be honest. That can't, it's not right, is it? <laughs> not really. But, you know, I guess that's how, how he's still doing it, I suppose. I guess everyone's looking at the stones now, like... They're still doing it, so I guess uh, it's possible. Although I'm not going to see them, as I discovered the cheapest ticket at Anfield, which is right at the back of the stadium, is only £177. Good grief. And I was like, are they not aware of the current economic situation in this country? (laughs) Yeah, if you wanted to get sort of like onto the pitch, I think it was, was it 280, something like that? Wow. It's just basically like, I'm not going. I mean, yeah. obviously, if I can blag a ticket, I'll go. But uh, I'm not paying that, no. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> so is this the first the first tour, then, of any consequence since COVID? Because that's, that's a, a, a big tour, isn't it? Six months. You must be going... Is that global or big European? It's uh, Europe and, and the States, like back and forth. 
Uh, last year we managed to do uh, five gigs in in Europe, so like two in Sicily, two in Athens, which was great, and then a, a, I think a private show in Greece somewhere. I forget where. And then we managed to do a Vegas residency, which actually was only eight gigs, but we ended mm. up I ended up being there for almost a month. Uh, it was just a relaxed schedule, I guess, and we had a lot of rehearsal for that because it was a big. It's a big production, and we're going to go back there two more times, um, which you know seems to be a good way of doing it. Day and age, just stay at the same venue, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, is this? I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I, but obviously, your dad has been a touring musician for as long as I could tell. Mm. Um, I had a quick look at his Wikipedia earlier, and. When you were a kid, did you go on tour with him, or did he just de- depart for six months and then come back? Or yeah, it was more that like that. I'd go and visit him maybe for a couple of days, but it's not really the environment for a kid to be there. You know, uh, they're, they're super busy and they're yeah. traveling. So I'd, if they were in the town for two days, three days, I, I might I might do that once a year. Um, but on average, I'd say, or maybe a couple of times. But I suppose, though, you've got someone who's going, you know, if if I'd ever made it as a successful musician, my dad's an engineer. There would have been no advice from him whatsoever mm. about life on the road. I mean, surely you've just got like this encyclopedic knowledge that you can pull on all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really lucky with that. And he he's always wants to give, you know, knowledge. He's always he's very, you know, he wants me to do well. Mm. Um, and um, yeah. Lots of advice. It's funny. He makes all sorts of jokes. You know, like, oh, when I was touring, I was so, you know, I was doing this and that and that. <laughs> and I, um, uh, I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I should do that too. You know, it's like, I guess it goes back to that thing about like, what do you do backstage? What's rock and roll? What's the lifestyle? But he was, a, you know, I guess um, I'm the age. When, how old is he when he joined Sting Band? I guess he was 29, 30. And when I first started working with Sting, I guess I was 26, 25, something like that. So, um, yeah, there's there's some like there's some interesting things where we sort of trade notes because I, I look at him now and I'm like, he's a lot more relaxed. He's a lot more chill, you know, it's, um, whereas I suppose back in the day, it was must have been just so like huge, exciting, wild times, I guess. Mm. So he he helps me with like just you know staying on the straight and narrow, not like going too crazy. You know, it's like relax, focus on the job. Yeah, I suppose I can't imagine going on tour with my mum and dad behind me, <laughs> sort of thing. That would freak me out. <laughs> yeah. Aside from the fact that, can either of them play anything, Jason? No. Right. Okay. Well, there's already a fundamental flaw in in what you come. You know. Yeah. Same problem with me and my dad. Plus, we'd have to come over every Saturday to watch Sheffield United. So, <laughs> will tours will be out of the question. <laughs> you know, be out of the question. So, when you were growing up, um, did you get guitar lessons from your dad? Um, he didn't really give me guitar lessons, but I suppose if when he was back from tour, he'd see that I was interested in guitar. I think mm. I started when I was seven. So, he'd just be like, look, here's E chord, A chord, D chord. Once you once you figured those out, when I when I'm back next time, show me what you got. You know, so it was very. It wasn't like we're going to sit down and have an hour lesson. It was just very casual. Like, here's some stuff. Let's see if you're interested. 
And um, it was it was a good way of doing it because I, I really wanted to impress him when I saw him next. So I'd, he'd come back and I'd have like 10 songs yeah. with E, A and D chords. <laughs> and then he'd be like, okay, cool. Well, now you here's a riff. You know, try try this riff. Um, but I'd say now, now's the time I'm really getting schooled because we're, we're going forensic on parts. We're going forensic on timing and everything. So now in rehearsals, he's, he's like the MD, right? So he's, he's on me, you know, if it's not, if it's not right, he'll let me know. And, and, um, and that really helps. It, it, you know, makes me play a lot better. And I, I, one of the things that I learned quickly was just to try and play simple you know not to overcomplicate things you know if anyone's going to do the fancy stuff it's not going to be me so just keep it simple because i think when you're learning you want to be fancy right you want to do complex stuff because you look what i can do and he's just like just chill just just make it make it simple so i've really learned how to play very simple um which which i like that there's an art to it so when you uh i don't suppose when you get to be a teenager are you starting to form your own sort of like bands and, and at school or whatever and that sort of thing were you in i suppose what i'm asking really is what were you doing before 24 25 when you got the sting mm-hmm. gig um yeah so i um i thought i was a little solo artist when i was a kid and then i had a band when i was must have been like 11 10 years old nine years old and funnily enough it was i don't know if you ever heard of this guy called jamie t but he he was the drummer in the band, and we were a three piece, and it was it was a really exciting time for a little kid to just have a band. But then by the time I got to like fourteen, I had a metal band, and I was Obviously. super excited about my metal band. <laughs> and my dad actually helped us record our EP, so that that was a cool that was a really cool way to connect with him. Um, and I took that pretty seriously for two years, and then more bands, and and then I just got into the flow in London. And, I would always be in at least five bands at one time, mm. you know, like a deck of cards. Okay. This band does loads of gigs. This band records a lot just to try and get my level, you know, my skills up to a good level and it's, it's just make it feel like a full-time thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just always, always in bands and, and um, always kind of wanting to do my own thing, but realizing that I needed a bit, I needed to develop a little bit more, like particularly my voice and, like stylistically as well, what I was going to be doing. Well, I, I was uh, I was cooking uh, tea earlier, and uh, I can't shout it now because it will go off in the corner, but I said, Amazon device, play Rufus Miller. Uh, mm. and, and, uh, and it was like shuffling songs, apart from the fact that there was this weird dance music song that appeared in the middle of this. <laughs> Is that you? I mean, like, you can't uh, tell. No, it's another guy that's got the same name. But I don't know if he does so much anymore. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're both uh, we're both Rufus Miller. But he's he, I don't know if he does. Yeah, I don't know if he's putting out as much stuff. But he's still there on the algorithms. I think if, on Spotify, if it recommends other artists, it's all these like dance musicians still connected. Yeah. I don't know what you do about that. I'd have to change my name, I guess. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose you, this is when you become Rufus. T Miller or something, isn't it? I you knew know? you were going to go with T. I was waiting for you to go T. <laughs> well, I, 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 originally I was going to say B, and then I changed it at the last minute. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it was your sort of like vibing at me that I've got to say T here. I knew you go. I just knew you go T. You don't know why. I just thought you go T. RTM. RTM. Yeah, it's got a ring to it. Yeah, yeah. He's you know. I, 
Well, I mean, you're not not for me to uh, tell you how to manage your own solo career. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the person to give you that advice. <laughs> but I suppose we should talk about your your solo career because I say I spent an hour uh, making tea, listening to it, and thoroughly enjoying it. And Thank it wasn't you. it wasn't what I expected. No, um, no, and I I'm not really sure how to describe it. it mm. um, without being insulting. It mm. was. It, it's quite sort of like downy, lo-fi kind of stuff, and I was yeah. like, "That's not really what I thought I was going to get from someone who plays for Sting." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. It's, it's like a complete one eighty, isn't it, from Sting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's. Um, I think that's that's accurate. Um, I, there's a way that someone described it once to me, which I've kind of stuck with, and because I, I genre hop, so I'm always I, I can never stick to a genre, which is kind of a problem. But um, if you you know if you're trying to get a, a big fan base, but that's just how I do it. So that I have in common with Sting because he doesn't seem to stick to any one particular genre. But I like this tag of psychedelic rock or psychedelic mm. folk, psych folk, psych rock, because it mm. it basically allows me to go in any sort of direction. Yeah. You know, but generally, yeah, for me, it's that lo-fi kind of down sort of sort of sound. Um, I mean, when I do most of my gigs, it's often me on my own. And so it's very stripped back and raw. And, um, but then on the album, I want it to be fleshed out a bit. So I'll you know, get a good drummer on it, and play bass and add different levels to it myself. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun just to just genre hop. I love it. Yeah. Because it's quite country as well at times, and I watched a couple of your uh, Facebook videos, and there was like one that was like proper country. I have no idea what any of the songs are called. Uh, but you were sat on a stool doing a gig, bouncing mm-hmm. your foot up and down. I was like, it's quite Johnny Cash that one. Yeah, yeah. I think in the particularly in the South London scene at the moment, it seems like everyone wants to be like country. It's like it's a it's. It's like the folk thing and the country thing are kind of quite overlapped. And mm. yeah, a lot of kind of people that sound a bit like Johnny Cash or, um, yeah. Who was I listening to? Hank, Hank the third, Hank three, Hank Williams, yeah, yeah. his grandson. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just this kind of outlaw country, you know, that kind mm. of sound. I, I guess I, I like that. I don't, I don't know why, cause I don't listen to a ton of stuff like that, but it's just, you pick up an acoustic and you sing a little low. And just, I, I don't mm. sing in that. I sing an American accent, so I guess it just comes out sounding, yeah, a bit country. Bit cowboy hat country, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got um, you've got a new single coming out, and then an yeah. EP that follows. So the the singles out um, the first, so that'll be four days after this comes out, and I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's next Friday, yes. isn't it? Yes. yes. So you're releasing your first single on April Fool's Day. And what's the <laughs> surprise? <laughs> right. uh, honestly, an accident. It's my friend that um, helps me put it all out. And uh, also the guy that produced the CP. So I'm going to have to talk to him about this and say, why do we do it that day? Is there a surprise I don't know about? <laughs> it's um, probably a good day because a lot of other people will probably avoid it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably yeah. wide open. It's probably only you on that day. <laughs> Unless the other Rufus Miller's had a resurgence, <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting if he if he puts it out too. Um, yeah, no, it's it's the uh, it's, it's the second one from from this EP. I put out one standalone single called Gold, 
and then um, the last one was found, and then this one's called Road. Um, and they're all this. Actually, they were all done in lockdown, so they're all quite stripped back. They're all they're all um, much more lo-fi, which I like. It sounds more like what I do live. Mm. Um, just maybe a couple of guitar tracks, two or three, a uh, couple of vocals. And um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited for people to hear it actually. And and we're doing it a little bit differently to how I've done the two, last two albums. It's the two albums I just chucked out a whole load of songs. This time I'm doing a song a month. So every month mm. you'll get a new song. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that seems to be a better way of doing it nowadays. Was it a fairly lo-fi recording process as well? Is it fairly sort of a, you know, guitar, mic in front of the guitar, bang kind of thing? How did you how did you go about the actual process? Yeah, well, yeah, a, a, bit, a bit, of, bit of that. It was all like done home studio. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we've got all, all the plugins, everything we need to make it sound sound great really um but then we have some amps there and we've got yeah good mics but um yeah it was i'd say for the first two albums that was all done in copenhagen and i i really invested in wanting to make it sound a bit more big and all of this sort of thing but i just i wanted something that sounded more like what you hear when you come and see me play live the, the only reason i asked was because i'm i'm sensing there's a little bit of that um kind of uh, i was going back a while now but that kind of Damien Rice thing going on, that kind mm. of, you know, just get get some decent mics some and let's just really capture that that live kind of sound. Mm. And it seems to be something that's quite, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously fairly revolutionary when he first did it because it was yeah. it was very lo-fi against what was, was going on. But there just seems to be a bit of a resurgence of that at the moment, which I think is great. I think it, mm. it's everything's so warm and, and, and rich. And like you say, it's, you know... Um, relatively, it's got a very nice, big, sort of warm, rich sound about it, which uh, I'm I'm interested to see if that's something that might be coming back across the the space a bit more. Mm. I I wonder if it's connected with people putting stuff out on social media, you know, them just sat there playing guitar, you know. It seems like that's that's cool again, you know. You just sit there with your phone or whatever. It's a basic setup. And people really want to see something that's that's live, that's real, that they're actually watching you play. Um, but yeah, Dame, that Damien Rice album that was a big deal. I like, I love that when I was. I guess oh, I must fantastic. have been like seventeen when I came when that came out. And just mm. like I want to do that, mm. you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, I think as well, it's um, it's a testament to how good the songs were mm. because mm. you strip it back, and it sounds so powerful. And yet, in reality, you know, and uh, and I mean, it almost sounded like there wasn't a lot of time put into the recording, which I know is completely wrong because they spent a lot of time picking the right mics and getting the right room and what have you. But it mm. just had that real kind of, yeah, that's him in a space, just you know, eyes closed singing, mm. which I think is, I think you, yeah, is is because the thing is, when you've got something that's going to be there and it's never going to get changed and it's always going to be what it is, then there's a danger you overproduce, there's a danger it gets too clinical and all those kind of things. And actually to go, do you know what? I just want it to sound like this. Mm. I want it to sound like me in a room. I think that's mm. really, I think certainly at that point in time, I thought it was really brave. Mm. Uh, and it absolutely paid off. I mean, what a record. Phenomenal, yeah. So when are we, uh, where are we going to be able to hear your stuff? Is it going to be on Spotify, Amazon? Yeah, it's on all of that. Yeah, all, all the all the streaming services and all of that. So you're, um, you're getting ready to go on a six-month tour with Sting. Are you going to get an opportunity to promote it and do some gigs around it? 
Uh, well, luckily, there's um, the backing singer in um, Sting's band, Gene Noble, is doing a gig when we have an off day in London. So we're going to do six gigs in London in April. So on the 18th of April, we're going to do a gig at a place called Powerhouse, which is uh, Dingwall's in Camden yeah. Lock. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's an opportunity. But, yeah, I guess I've just got to get busy on the socials and just try and, you know, let people know that way. And, and if there's off days, just try and try and do gigs. But this this touring schedule is a lot more full on than what we've done before. It's like, you know, six, five, six gigs a week. Is this, wow. this is the Making Up Lost two years tour. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going through your socials earlier and uh, I've written down a question and it says, you have a lot of guitars, a lot of guitars. It's like in almost every single <laughs> photograph, you're playing a completely different guitar. How many yeah. guitars do you actually own? Yeah, I must own about, yeah, about 10, 10 or 12 guitars, I'd say. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, adds up. I try, I try and keep it simple, you know, keep it like hidden away a bit. Um, some of them like, or, or lend them to people. Like when I'm focusing on I'm playing, I just try and focus on, on like one or two guitars. Like at the, at the, a lot of the clips I put up recently of me on BC Rich uh, guitar, which is yes. totally like a metal guitar, <laughs> right? But yeah, it's, um, you know, it works quite well. Like, um, just, just changing it up, just something with a Floyd Rose or a different acoustic or something that's tuned differently, like different pickups. It's like, that's how I write. That's how I get inspired. And there was a, is it Providence? Is that? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Peckham and Rye company. Yeah, they, they just started making guitars and they're doing a great job. Yeah, um, Matt from Monty's Pickups kind of introduced me to them. And, oh, nice. Uh, I, I'm hoping that Matt's going to bring some of them along to the guitar show um, in whatever it is, six weeks' time or something, because I really want to have a look at them. Because you're playing like, it's almost like a non-reverse Firebird. Yeah. But it's not. It's like a cross between that and a Jazz Master or something, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, it's a quality guitar. Everything's so um, high spec with it. And um, they make it with so much love, you know, and... Um, yeah, Monty's pickups in it are great. Those jazz pickups sound quality, and I guess they're, they're you know making tweaks like the bridge is you know a little. It's like not. It, I guess it's not like a typical Fender or not like a typical Gibson. They're just making it like exactly the sort of thing that you know someone like me would really like. What's any any guitar player? I highly recommend trying them out, and they're such nice guys. Um, you know, so Ruben's a guitar tech. That's how I met him. Right, um, and and Kevin worked for Monty's Guitars, and just yeah, they went they went and got their space in Peckham Rye, and and they're doing so well with it. So when you're when you're touring as you or touring with Sting, have you got a different kind of setup that you take to gigs? Um, yeah, with with Sting, I've got my chorus pedal on the whole time, and I'm using these really nice Lone Star amps. Um, you know, I'm I'm using a lot more effects because it's you know we do a lot of police songs and yeah. stuff, but it's it's still pretty basic. A um, bunch of like boss pedals and um, and I use Les Pauls. That's that's like my sound with him is a Les Paul, uh, just a warm thing to counterbalance my dad's Strat sound. Yeah, and then for my gigs, I turn up with an acoustic and with an electric. And at the moment, that Providence guitar is the one I bring as my electric, and. Um, 
I keep it real simple. I don't even use any pedals. I just go into the amp and then I go into a DI with the acoustic and it just that raw kind of bluesy sound is what I'm after at the moment. Maybe, maybe a, a, a fuzz or overdrive pedal, like if I've got a drummer with me, but um, other than that, I just love the simplicity of guitar and an amp. Is it, I mean, I, I don't know how many people you play to when you're playing as you, but is it kind of like a, a is it slightly freaky that you've played to, I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 people one night? And mm. I suppose, you know, in the nicest possible way, everybody's looking at Sting. It's his mm-hmm. gig, right? And, you know. Oh, yeah. And then you end up playing in Camden, Camden Lock, and everybody's looking at you, but there's several hundred there. Yeah. I suppose, does it fuck with your head a little bit? interesting yeah i don't i mean i i get such a kick out of it man like like my my main venues that i seem to play are like irish bars or small clubs or rock bars or heavy metal bars where often the audience doesn't most of them don't even really know who i am they just come just to you know reg just to go out for the night mm. but i love winning them over i love like having to prove myself you know like with sting it's like they've come to hear some songs it's a big deal they're gonna be into it you know the songs you know do all the work but for for my stuff i've got to really like prove myself and i get a real kick out of that um you know there's there's nowhere to hide and i feel like it it, it's strength each one strengthens the other playing with sting gives me the confidence to go out and do my own thing Mm. and my own thing you know it it makes me it it makes me really want to get back and play sting songs again to fucking (laughs) twenty thousand people it's like it's a good balance, but it, yeah. yeah, sometimes it messes in my head a little bit. I guess you just got to make sure your ego doesn't like you know mess with you too much. You know, like if you're at a small gig, don't act like you're supposed to be doing anything bigger. And then if you're at a big dig, big, don't worry about you know all the minor things. You know, it's it's it's, it's all good. So it's, it's uh, just just be a part of a big team. What what is it like having twenty thousand people there? And I'm assuming. I say twenty thousand, but I actually with Sting, you've probably played to eighty or a hundred thousand, depending on where you are in the world. Mm. It's weird. It's it's an interesting thing. Like those big gigs, it's like there's so many people that you. It's it feels surreal. It's like that you can't you can't really see if they're into it or not. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But if there's like ten people there in a bar, you can see if they're not into it because they'll <laughs> leave and go out for a cigarette. Or going to have a piss. Oh yeah, I've done loads of those, and and it hurts, right? (laughs) Yeah, but those bigger gigs, you don't know. It's terrible when ten percent of the audience goes for a piss, isn't it? It's it's just you know. (laughs) Uh, One of the uh, one of the last gigs I did, I um, I started berating uh, an audience of the member uh, a member of the audience because they got up to go out, and I was like, "Where are you going? Like, there's only like thirty people here. You can't leave." And he was like, I- I'm the drummer in the next band, mate. I'm just going to get my cymbals out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I swear it's good. I swear it's good for musicians to be humbled as often as possible, you know? Because <laughs> you need to have a big ego in some ways to get up and do that on stage. Yeah. But then if it's too big, you kind of you've like lost the whole point of it. You know? mm. um, yeah. I would imagine the rider's better though with Sting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, 
but like you know we're we're so you know we're we're all so disciplined in trying to you know be the model of, yeah there's a lot of what quinoa i bet there's a lot of quinoa backstage <laughs> i'll tell you what there's a lot of honey lemon and ginger tea that's for sure <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually in the band. I'm the dude that makes the tea. For some reason, it's like wrangled to me that I'm like tea man. So I, everyone's like, you made the honey lemon ginger tea yet? I'm like, oh, coming up, just coming up. I, I love this. It's like your dad has actually done like the proper, like he's coming into the company, but he's got to start at the very bottom before he works yeah. his way to the top. He's the tea boy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's to, it. To be fair though, Ronnie would have that for 10 years. He was there <laughs> over the moon when Bill left. <laughs> But I do make a good cup of tea, that's for sure. I'm here with lots of love and stings knocking on the door like, my, my tea ready yet? You know, and he's even got someone that makes him tea, but he wants to have my, you know, it's like a, it's a funny thing. You know? Well, that's your gig secure then for the future, isn't right? it? Right? Yeah. They do make the joke, you know, stop <laughs> making this tea then, you're going to be out of here. <laughs> well, bringing it back, back round to London, you'll be very pleased to hear because I'm currently sat just... Uh, on the edge of Covent Garden. London is bouncing tonight. It's it's proper getting back to normal. Uh, That's great. A walk, a walk on the river and walk back, and it's, you know, I mean, what, it's only a Wednesday night, but it's, yeah, it, it's starting to feel like it, it used to feel. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it seems like it. But just before I, I only left, um, like, five days ago, and, yeah, it seems like all the gigs are back on. Yeah. Some great bands out and about maybe better than it was before it feels like mm. you know? so so where are you in paris are you at olympic studios or anything um where were we rehearsing we were rehearsing in this big new venue here i'm trying to remember what it was called god that's awful i can't remember but it's one of the big new venues that's actually on the river and they just rented out a room that we that we rehearsed in does a and car come and take you to the venue and then pick you up from the venue and take you back to the hotel i would imagine that, that yeah 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 it's, that's awesome isn't it that's yeah, the kind of life. Yes. <laughs> never going to happen, Jay. Don't even, no, I know. Don't smile I know. at it. It's never going to happen. <laughs> and the, we're a nice, it's a good bunch. You know, there's, there's um, including Sting, there's eight members of the band. And actually, we're going to have two cello play, players come, coming in to play um, some songs with us on, on, on the gigs as well. So there's going to be like 10 of us, you know, on stage at least for a couple of songs and then the rest eight, you know, so it's, it's a good gang. It's, it's cool. And actually most of the people in the band are my age. I'm, so it's when I first joined 10 years ago, I was, I was the kid. Um, mm. It was me and Peter Tickell. He's a, a fiddle player from um, Newcastle. Um, and he, he was in the band for a while too, but we were like these two kids that joined and you can imagine they were teasing us the whole time, but been here long enough. And yeah, it seems like all the musos they want are like, you know, mid thirties, that kind of thing. Is it still Josh on drums? He just left. Well, at least he's not doing it all at the moment. Uh, so we've got this guy called Zach on, in at the moment, and um, and I think he's he's definitely going to be doing it till till June, maybe even longer. So um, yeah, I think Josh just um, just wanted to have a bit more time at home. You know, he's got four kids, and yeah, yeah. But he's still doing. It. I mean, he'll he'll always be busy. He's always going to be stuff doing stuff in LA and that. Yeah, because oh, he was in Guns N' Roses for a brief time, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. I say brief time. I mean, it was like, I don't know, 10 years, but they didn't actually do anything in that 10 years, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think he wrote a couple of the songs. He even wrote some of the riffs, which is pretty cool claim to fame to have written some Guns N' Roses riffs. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, he's probably got a writing credit on the last two singles then. 
because they're just recycled ex Chinese democracy songs. Yeah, they're, very possible. I think he mentioned actually he he was involved in some. Yeah, he he knew what those songs were for sure. Oh, cool, cool. I've only got one other thing written down, and mm-hmm. um, that's tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> How much did that chest piece hurt? Oh man, enough! I was not prepared for that. It was unbearable. Yeah. So I don't have much, you know, meat on my bones here, and I thought, <laughs> oh, I'd be all right, but no, it was absolute agony. But luckily, it was a good friend that did it, so um, we got through it. I mean, it's it's not finished, but um, I'm almost getting t- to the point where I quite like it unfinished, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for obvious I, reasons. I um I went out to the Nam show, I don't know, ten years ago, something like that, and uh, because I am the right age for the Sunset Strip, Guns and Roses, Motley Crue sort of thing you know i was a teenager yeah. when all that was on uh, I, I decided i was going to go and get tattooed at sunset strip tattoo and when you oh. go in there's, there's pictures of them all on the walls and stuff like that and and i've got this not as big as yours chest piece mine's only i don't know four inches by five inches something like that oh. and um and about two hours in when i was like squeaming in the chair in absolute agony he went do you want a break mate i said yes please it really hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Anyway, yeah, it really hurts on the chest. But if I'd have told you that, you wouldn't have had it done. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, you've got to go back into the chair at some point and get it. I mean, I've got no choice. I was in, I was in LA. You know, I've got to get it done before I went home, sort of thing. So, uh, mm. yeah, the most painful thing I've ever, ever had done. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what did she get? I'm interested. It's. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's like a painting. So there's a, a I love or I loved a, a band called the Dogs de Moor. Don't know if you ever heard of them. It brings a bell. Yeah, yeah. And, and their lead singer Tyler paints, and uh, it's like a, a silhouette of a. It's basically a silhouette of an angel, but like a dishevelled angel playing a J two hundred. So that's that's what I had. It's one of his paintings. Except nice. his painting was white, so I just flipped it in Photoshop and turned it to black because nice. you can't have a white tattoo. <laughs> no, was it just yeah, entitled midlife crisis, or did you did you oh, get it? This, this has never been a midlife crisis. This has been an ongoing crisis since I became right. a teenager. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> I can reassure you both: I'm never going to have a chest tattoo. Well, you know, I mean, my my office for the guitar show is in the back of my mate's tattoo studio, so I, you know, I'm around it all day, every day. That's it, the thing, and it was the same for me as soon as I got to Copenhagen. That's like the home of tattoos. All my buddies were tattoo artists, and they're like, "You love tattoos, but you don't have any. Like, what's wrong with you? Come on, get one. We'll give you one." And then once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> this, is, this is very true. This one on my arm was a, a freebie off. But he sent me a birthday card once that just said, couldn't be asked to get you a present. Have a tattoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so his present was stabbing me repeatedly with needles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see the benefit of gifting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to think it was less of a present right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rufus, thank you very much for finding the time. Oh, um, such a pleasure. Thanks, uh, Particularly bearing Thanks, in mind, Jason. it's obviously an hour further further back for you. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously, just a quick repeat. So, singles on the 1st of April. 
Yeah. Uh, and the EP follows, was it the 25th? 27th of May. 27th. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And you'll be all over the socials, so yeah. uh, we'll point people in 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 that direction. Uh, we must also thank our friends at Focusrite uh, for continuing to sponsor the podcast and make evenings like this possible. So thank you, everybody. Uh, wonderful equipment, wonderful gear, great interfaces. If you need anything for your home recording, Focusrite is the place to go. And did we um, thank Jono? I can't remember if we did that before. Oh no, we, we didn't, did recording. we? No. So Jono, if you're listening to this, thanks for the intro, mate. Cheers. Wonderful. And um, obviously, uh, hopefully at some point, Rufus will get a chance to uh, meet hook up in the flesh and you can make us tea. <laughs> yeah, I promise it'll be a good one. Yeah. If, you come to, if you come to the guitar show any time, honestly, I'm just pointing you in the direction of the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks, chaps. Everybody have a good evening and right. uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Bye. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 